listening to a podcast from gravitychurch.com, Lodi, California. How are you guys feeling? Good. It's good to be back here. Last week was amazing. Um, those of you guys that have never been here before, um, <clears throat> I got to go on a field trip last week with my eighth grade son. Um, we went back to the East Coast and we got to see Washington, D.C. and New York City and um, Boston. And um, I got a confession to make. I've got an uncle. Many of you guys know him. His name is Bruce, Uncle Bruce. Hopefully we haven't started recording yet. But um, he's, like a, he's like a history geek. I mean, he's just geeks out on history. I mean, every single time we get together as a family, you know, it's like, you know if you sit next to him on the couch, you're going to start talking about Adolf Hitler and World War II in some way, shape, or form. doesn't matter what the holiday, you're going to go to World War II. Because he's just history. He loves it. And I've never got it. I've always just go, yeah, I... I I don't even remember anything from high school. And so I'm supposed to be, you know, you know, listening to these things. Well, when you go on a history field trip where you're supposed to know what's going on, you really would have paid to, to listen in school a little bit more than I did. And so needless to say, I found the smartest 13-year-old that I could sit next to on the tour bus. And I'm like, hey, Teddy, where are we going? What's this all about? And he didn't even have a clue. He thought that I was like quizzing him on stuff. You know, he's like, oh yeah, you're just testing me. I'm like, no, I'm not. You have no idea. So, so I might have some of the facts all jumbled up, but, but I learned a lot. It was really, really fun. Excuse me. And so tonight I'm back and it's great to be back. Um, we, uh, It's nice to be missed, too. My wife wishes I was still gone. We had that discussion today. She's like, she's like, I don't understand what happened to my world. It was so peaceful, and all the house stayed clean. And now you guys are back anyway. And it's true. Um, we, we're getting to a point in the year 2011. You know, we're coming into supposedly springtime, although we couldn't tell from looking around. Um, and with seasons brings change. And we experience the change in the weather as we look around. We experience the change, the way it affects us emotionally when the sun comes out versus when we have this gray sky and the gloom and everything. And there's also seasons in our lives with spiritual things. There's seasons in our lives when when we go through certain experiences where they shape us and they, they, they make us learn things and they make us understand things in in different ways. And then there's great seasons in our life where we go through, it's just a a really peaceful, calm time where nothing is really bad and nothing really chaotic is going on. And we enjoy those times. And those are the times that the Bible talks about where we rejoice and we're happy. But there's times when when we're down and when we're sad. The reason I say all this is because for the first couple months of this year, we've been, we've been exploring scripture and we've been diving into this this story that God has magnificently told throughout Scripture. And this story that we have been talking about goes all the way to the beginning of mankind. It starts off with with God creating Adam. And the Bible says that he, he literally breathed the life, the breath, into his very lungs. And the Bible says that God made Adam in his own image, We get this understanding that God loves families. He started this whole family concept through creation. And the Bible says that we were made in the image of God. And the picture that we get from it is that when God looks at us, 
It's very much like when I look at my son, I look at him and I see similarity. I see my own reflection. I see parts of him and parts of me blended together in this, in this little guy. And the Bible says that God's the same way. He created us in his own image so that when he looks at us, he sees a glimpse of himself. And we see this story unfolding with us having this really great relationship with God where it's like father and son and, and we're learning to live like this and we're learning how to understand the world that we live in. The Bible tells us in the very beginning, one of the very first interactions that God had with his son, Adam, was he said, son, I want you to name all the animals on the face of the earth. And Adam goes about his business and he begins to name the zebra and the lion and the tigers and, and the monkeys and all the different things. The Bible says that God and Adam literally had this understanding that God was putting Adam in this, in this garden that was perfect in every way. And he says, Adam, do your thing. Show me your creativity because there's a part of me that's inside of you. Show me the creativity that's inside of you. And Adam goes crazy naming animals. I mean, it's... it's any animals that you can think of, the Bible says it had its origins in some way or shape or form with that first dynamic between God and man. But we see in, this, in the scripture this, this story unfolding and changing. We see that Eve, Adam's first wife, is brought into the garden and there's this, there's this relationship between the two of them. And Adam is blessed and, and Eve and they're there together and they're loving and everything. But then that other element comes into the storyline and we see destruction worming its way in. And the Bible says that, that, that Satan, evil personified, took the form of a snake or a serpent and slithered his way into the garden. And he comes into this, this relationship between Adam and Eve and he begins to lie about God. He begins to tell them lies about God's character. He begins to lie to them about God's intentions. And he begins to lie to them and say, God doesn't love you. God doesn't have the best in store for you. God doesn't really care about you. God is trying to ruin your life. He says that he wants you to have joy, but he withholds a portion of it. He doesn't give you all the story. He hides things from you. And Satan begins to plant these seeds in the hearts of God's kids and God's children. And as we've learned through reading the Bible, the story takes a tragic turn. And we see that, that this temptation leads to a choice. And men and Eve choose to believe the lie about God. And they take this fateful decision in their hands. And, and the ramifications lasted to this very day. And they, they said in their hearts, we would rather choose ourselves than believe God is good. And when they took that choice, they ate of a forbidden fruit and sin came into their relationship and it began to deteriorate things as we now know it. Why do I talk about this tonight? Well, you can't help but look on the news at this very moment and see what has happened over the course of the last seven years across the world in Japan and have some type of emotions come to your heart and to your mind about how could something so catastrophic happen on God's watch. I was, I was um, surfing this week and I was, I was listening to a, a newsman interview a famous pastor in America right now. And in his interview, he asks him this question. He says, what's the deal with the tsunami and God? 
And he asks him this loaded question. He says, it's got to be one or the other. He says to the guy, he says, it's either that God is all-powerful, but he doesn't care, and that's why it happened. Or he said that God is really caring, but he's not all-powerful. He says, which is it? And the guy's sitting there listening to this question. It's this mousetrap of a question. How do you answer that and be able to clearly identify, and especially they got three minutes, you know, on national television to be able to clearly identify this. But this question comes to our hearts when we see these things of who is really in charge. What's really going on? We've been painstakingly going through Scripture to understand the things that we instinctively have believed because of our culture about God versus the truth about God and who he really is and who his character really is and what we really have to understand about him. See, God, we understand, came because he was tired of the devastation of sin on this earth. We understand that God, because of our choices as the very first man and woman, caused a devastating chain of events that brought tragedy and sickness and disease and pain and abuse into our environment that God never intended to be a part of the way that you and I see the world today. And yet the way that you and I see the world today is full of tragedy. It's full of abuse. It's full of injustice. God said, enough is enough. I can no longer stand by and watch this happen without being able to change it and being able to invade the darkness. And in comes Jesus. See, what you and I have to understand tonight is that this plan that we see unfolding through Scripture and through creation and through time was not an accident and it was not something that God got caught off guard with. It's been going from beginning to end and God has seen it all and he's understood it all. And he's promised us that in the right time and in the right moment, all wrongs would be made right. All injustices would be corrected. All tragedies would be accounted for. And so as we read the story of Christ coming to the world, it's because he came that we have hope. It's because he came that we can now look to God and say, God, help in our time of need. God, when tragedy comes in the form of a tsunami that devastates an entire nation and brings it to its knees, God, help. And because Jesus came, God can help. Because Jesus came, he established his church that can pray and that can cry out to God for help. And God, through his mercy, begins to unleash light in the middle of darkness. Now, many people see it completely opposite of that. Many people see it completely in a different contextualization. They see it in a way that God pulls all the strings all the time, that everything that happens, happens because God made it happen. And I'm here to tell you that when Jesus came on the scene, there was a very interesting conversation that happened between Jesus and Satan. The Bible says that Jesus was taken out into the wilderness for 40 days and he was tempted by Satan. And Satan took Jesus up to this high peak and he said to Jesus, Jesus, if you will bow down and worship me, I'll give you this whole earth, everything that you see. Because Satan knew something, that it was all his domain. 
He was pulling the strings here on earth. And Jesus said, Satan, get away from me. Jesus did not say, Satan, no, 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 that's a lie. This is all God's domain. God's in charge of the earth. No, he said, Satan, get away. Because Satan knows that until the end is written, he can tweak with us. He can mess with us. He can cause natural disasters. He can cause pain and tragedy and divorce and abuse and anger and hatred and addiction. Satan can destroy lives because he has this domain. And so when we look at these things, we have to understand that there are two kingdoms at work all the time. There is light and there is darkness. And darkness is having its way everywhere that we look. How many of you would agree with me and say everywhere that you look, you see the effects of darkness? You see it. It's rampant. And yet, what are we called to do? I'm glad you asked. Let's open our Bibles. John chapter 5. I want to read with you a story. John chapter 5. And picking up in verse number 19. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. The Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him everything that he is doing. In fact, the Father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man, and then you will truly be astonished. For just as the Father gives life to those he raises from the dead, so the Son gives life to anyone that he wants. In addition, the Father judges no one. Instead, he has given the Son, Jesus, absolute authority to judge so that everyone will honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Anyone who does not honor the Son is certainly not honoring the Father who sent him. I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. And I assure you that the time is coming. Indeed, it's here even now when the dead will hear my voice, the voice of the Son of God, and those who listen will live. The Father has life in himself, and he has granted that same life-giving power to Jesus, his Son. And he has given him authority to judge everyone because he is the son of God or the son of man. Don't be surprised. Indeed, the time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of God's son and they will rise again. Those who have done good will rise to experience eternal life and those who have continued in evil will rise to experience judgment. Verse 30 says, I, Jesus is talking. He says, I can do nothing on my own. I judge as God tells me to judge. Therefore, my judgment is right and just because I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own will. Jesus says, I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own will. Jesus says that he was sent. He was sent. Think about that with me. Jesus was sent. What was he sent to do? He talks here about how God has the plan. God has the will. And Jesus is following 
God's will, God's plan. Many times you and I ask the question, what is the will of God for my life? Many times we ask, I wonder what I should do in this situation or in this situation. I wonder what decision I should make. And we try our best to discern what the will of God is for our life. There's this, there's this understanding when we read this story and many other places found in Scripture about the fact that Jesus was not acting on his own. He was acting with the intention and the instructions of God. He was sent to do something. He was on a mission. And God was using Jesus to bring into this world light, life, a new way for God to be able to do what he does. Jesus, and you have to understand this, did nothing without the direction of God. Jesus did nothing on his own without the direction of God. We've got some friends here tonight, and many of you saw when you walked in a table set up. There was all kinds of things on display, and Marco and Karen Cuevas are with us tonight, and they, um, they have come with a story to tell. About a year ago, I got a phone call from from Jody, who lives or who goes to church here, she said she had a lifetime friend that was over here in California visiting from Colorado, and she wanted me to meet him. And so I came over and we spent a few hours together out in the coffee bar, just talking about the the d- direction that he and his wife and his family were on, and and where they thought God was taking them. Now you have to understand is that their life up to this point. It seemed very put together and it seemed very much on track with the direction that they thought things should be going and proceeding along. Um, as he tells us that, uh, you know, he had the good, good job and the good career and the home and, and the kids and everything that we think that we want in life, everything was put in its nice little neat place. It was very controlled and it was very perfect. But God began to stir something in the hearts of Marco and Karen. And a year ago, when we were in the coffee bar, we prayed. And I don't remember the prayer, but it was something about that prayer that began a process in Marco's heart of God changing the direction of their life and taking them in a place that they never really saw coming. I want you to watch a video of Marco and Karen and open your heart up to what they have to say. Hi, I'm Marco Cuevas. And I'm Karen Cuevas. California native, was uh, born in San Jose, uh, high school, college, uh, family. I met um, my wife, Karen. Marco and I were buried in 1998, and then we moved to Fort Collins, Colorado. And there we were blessed with our son, Caleb, who was born in 2001. And then we were blessed another time with our daughter, Mackenzie, who was born in 2003. I became a school teacher right around the same time, so I've been teaching elementary school for uh, since then. It was about a year ago. I was actually sitting right here in this room, not too far from this, this spot. Um, and we were contemplating moving back to California, just really feeling in our hearts that there needed to be a change. We weren't really sure, we're sure what, but we thought um, that maybe this area would be a good place for us to land and 
came and visited. And, you know, that door closed pretty quickly just with jobs. And the jobs are hard to come by even for the people here. So that didn't seem like it was it. You and I prayed about that. And, and actually, that was a really important prayer. And it, was, it wasn't about you know, a place. It was more about our hearts and more about what God had for us and maybe something we didn't even know what. And it, it was a few months later that um, God put on our hearts uh, moving to China to go teach English and language in the universities there and share our lives. And um, it's been a whirlwind. So we're going to China and uh, with China, we have a lot of different connections with people that live in our community with an organization called ELIC. And ELIC stands for the English Language Institute of China. They've been there like 30 years. Um, just quickly we found all these connections and God started pulling on our hearts. And um, Most people thought we were crazy um, because <laughs> I have a, a very secure teaching position in a good school where my kids go. Um, you know, two, you know, 2.5 kids, the, the dog, the picket fence, all those things. And, um, we really felt like God wanted us to do that, and to, to go to China and give those up for a while. It's been one of those journeys where our faith's been tested, and our faith is, we have more faith in this than we've ever had in our lives, but we still feel God's calling on our hearts and just pulling, pulling on our hearts all the time, especially, we, all we have to do is talk to friends that we went to China with in October, and um, or look at pictures, and it's, it's so exciting to, to remember those emotions, and. Um, students we met and the people we you know experienced and um, to see that hope in their eyes and um, that chance that we can go in there and, and speak into their lives and share who we are and what we believe um, in this time. I think we are. Um, there are moments of absolute fear like what are we doing um, and then we're reminded. Um, I think initially we really had no clue what China was and what the people were like so we, we really questioning a lot of things like why do this? God's compelled our hearts and um, even the kids have been a little scared at times and and even just fear of can we do all the things necessary to get ready to go and um, that's been a challenge right now. Um, I think uh, the fears, I, we not, might not even know what to be scared of all the time. <laughs> you can help us by partnering with us financially I think some people think that it needs to be a large sum of money, but it's just a little bit every month, and we need your monthly support in order to be able to go. You can help us by keeping us in your prayers. We need genuine prayer um, just for security and safety and for the program that we're going to be participating in with the college students. Teaching my daughter, Mackenzie, how to use chopsticks, and I realize that chopsticks are a great analogy for um, the church body right now and us going out you know, around the world, because when you take when you take chopsticks, the bottom one you have to keep stationary and not move it, and the top one you have to move it against the chopstick, and that's a good picture of the church, because we're going to be moving, but we need some people here to stay that would support us, and together those chopsticks work, and um, we're able to go do what God wants us, and God's going to work with the people here as well, and. Uh, so we're just, you know, we have faith that God will come through in those areas. Thank you, Marco and Karen, for that. I appreciate you guys sharing your life with us a little bit, sharing us your story with us a little bit. If you guys have a chance afterwards, please stop by and talk to them and, and, uh, and support them if you can. Give them, give them some support for 
what they're doing because we understand that there's a partnership between God and us and we have a role to play in the way that God does what he does. See, when we read this story of Jesus coming, he says, I never do anything on my own. I never do anything with my own agenda, with my own plan, with my own thinking. He says, I was sent. I was sent. And I listen for what God says, and I follow. I was sent, so I listen, and I follow. How many of you think that that same principle applies to your life sitting here right now? I do. I do. I think that God still talks to people through all kinds of different ways. I think that God still conveys his heart and his plan to us to follow. I think that God is still interested in yours and my life, and he still is unfolding this beautiful thing for us all to see. Part of the beautiful story of Marco and Karen that I enjoy is the fact that not only is it different for them as a family, but they're going with this understanding that God is going to take who they are as individuals and place them in a completely different environment, use them to do something that a year ago maybe they never even thought was possible. Many of you sitting here tonight find that same dynamic in your life. Many of you over the course of the last year have found yourself talking to people about your faith and about your beliefs in a way that you never thought was possible. You've been stretched. You've been put in situations that are uncomfortable and awkward. You've been put in situations that you did not ever think that you would be in. I'm in one right now. Hello. It's all of us being placed in places in our lives with this understanding that God sends us. That God sends us to do what he wants done. In the book of Romans chapter 10, there's a, there's a, a, a scripture that I love. It's quoted all the time, but I wanted to share it with you tonight. It says, how can they call on him, talking about God, how can they call on God to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Will anyone go and tell them without being sent? Scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news or who bring the gospel. How will anyone go without being sent? This scripture right here raises the questions for us it raises the questions for us to think about. How can they believe? How can they hear? How can they know God? These are the questions, and the answer is simple. God sends. God sends to meet the questions. How many of you can sit here tonight and can say, without a doubt, that you know that there's been at least one time in your life where somebody came to you and if they hadn't come to you and spoken to you just the right thing, or if they hadn't called you and prayed for you, if they hadn't interjected themselves in your life, that you don't know where you would be. I can't count how many times people have invaded my space when I want them to get away. 
Thank God they didn't listen to me. I can't tell you how many times God sent somebody to me because I needed it so badly. I didn't ask for help. I didn't go, man, Jason, you're having a really hard time. You need, to, you need to reach out. No, that's what we should do. But how many of you know that there's a lot of times we don't do what we should do? No, somebody was sent from God to come and invade my space. See, God sees, God hears, God knows, and God sends. You, right here, right now, may be the very one that God sends to somebody else. You may be the very one that God sends to meet their need, to answer the prayer given, to invade a situation that is hopeless, and God brings hope. You may be the very one that God uses. There's a story in the Bible, in the book of Jeremiah. If you've ever read this this book in the Bible, it's a very, very interesting account. Jeremiah was a young man, and God had chosen him for a very specific job, a very specific task. God said to Jeremiah, I have chosen you to speak for me. I want to share with you a few of the words that that are spoken between God and Jeremiah. I want to share with you a little bit of this, this interaction that happens between these two. The Lord said to Jeremiah, I knew who you were before I even formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were even born, I set you apart and I appointed you as my prophet to the nations. And this is what Jeremiah says to him. He says, O sovereign Lord, I can't speak. I'm too young. The Lord said, don't say that you're too young. For you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you and will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. And then the Lord reached out and touched Jeremiah's mouth. And he said these words, Look, I have put my words in your mouth. Today I appoint you to stand up against nations and kingdoms. Some of them you must uproot and tear down. You must destroy and overthrow. Others you must build up and plant. And then the Lord said to me, look, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I replied by saying, I see a branch from an olive tree. And the Lord said, that's right. And it means that I am watching you. And I will certainly carry out all of my plans. This is a story of a young man who has a life-changing interaction with God. God comes to him and says, Jeremiah, I have a plan and it involves you. Now, Jeremiah responds very much like the way that I think that you and I would respond when God brings something across our path that feels overwhelming or feels bigger than us. He gives excuses and reasons to God why God's plan is a bad idea. He's like, God, nah, no bueno. I'm not going to be very good at talking for you. I've seen, you know, other dudes speak for God. It's a pretty serious matter. I don't think so. And God's like, Jeremiah, you have no idea. You have no idea 
And then he begins to convince Jeremiah. He says some strange things to him. He gives him some tests. He says, I want you to look and I want you to tell me what you see. Jeremiah looks over and he says, I see a tree. It's a test. God is showing Jeremiah that when he speaks, Jeremiah will recognize the voice of the Lord. And Jeremiah says to him, well, I see a tree. And God's like, that's right. And you can read this story between God and Jeremiah and it unfolds, keeps on going and gives him more tests and more different things. But the point was, is that God was convincing Jeremiah that the plan wasn't about Jeremiah. It was all about God. And God says, I will carry out my plan and you're a part of it, Jeremiah. And so he begins to to show him these things. And, and, and the way that this applies to our life here tonight is because when we recognize that we live in a world that is bombarded with darkness and devastation everywhere that we look, when we realize what is at stake, that there are people every day who are looking at their lives and looking at their circumstances and in their pain and their agony are blaming God for the life that they have. God came into this world because it was so full of darkness that he says, my light is going to change it all. And he brings Jesus through and it begins to change and give life and bring healing. And he says, now you you that carry me inside of you, you carry my light. And everywhere that you go, you will begin one situation at a time to bring darkness and make it light. You, one person at a time, will bring clarification for who really is behind the darkness at play in this world. You, one person at a time, will invade people's hopelessness with the hope of God. You and I are the sent ones. We are the ones that have been chosen and sent out to carry God. I don't know about you, but everywhere I go, I see people that need God. I was in New York City for the first time last week. Talk about people. I mean, everywhere. I'm standing in Times Square and I'm looking around. I'm going, man, I took my little flip video camera and I'm just doing this. They're like, I wonder if he's a tourist. I'm like, yeah, tourist. I'm just, I mean, the people just on a mission, man. They're just going. And, and everywhere I look, I'm just like, God, in this sea of humanity, my heart swelled with love and compassion because everywhere I looked, I saw people that needed the same thing that I need. They had the same questions that I had. They had the same pain that I carry. Every single one of them needed the same remedy, the same cure. They needed to know that the God that created this whole world didn't screw up and let everything go crazy. That the God that created this universe didn't blink and allow devastation to come on the scene. No, God has a plan and he loves them and he wants to bring right where there is wrong. And you and I are the sent ones to do that. It's amazing. You and I are the ones that God embodies to carry that. Would you pray with me? God, tonight, we open our hearts up to you. 
We can't say that enough because our hearts instinctively close. God, there's things in our lives that are hurtful. There's things in our lives that cause us to doubt. There's things in our lives that make us suspicious. And so, God, we have to continually say out loud, I open my heart to you. Because, God, when we close our heart, it closes it to everything. And we need you. And we don't want to be closed to you. So, God, come into this moment now. Come and be with us as we turn our attention towards you. Tonight we have read from Scripture and my own personal interaction with Scripture is that when I read it, it isn't a one-way exercise. It's not the same dynamic as me getting caught up in a, an action novel. When I read Scripture, it bounces right back at me and it hits me in my heart and in my mind and in my decisions and in my beliefs. And tonight, as we have read Scripture, we now have a chance to respond to what we have read and to come to God and say, God, let your words hit me in a very deep way. In one of the Psalms, it says, search my heart. Search me, O God, and see if there's any darkness in me. And right now is a place for us to say those words to God. Lord, search my heart and see if there's any darkness in me. We're going to take communion together tonight. We're going to open our hearts up to God and we're going to, we're going to get real with Him. And in just a moment, we're going to come to these tables and we're going to take this bread and we're going to, we're going to meet the juice with it and we're going to take a few moments and go get real with God and to pray and to seek Him and to let Him have this interaction with us. And if you've never been here before with us on a Saturday night, this is, a, this is an invitation to everybody. This is an invitation from God to us. And He says, come and be a part of all that I am. And this is an opportunity for you to respond to the words that you've heard tonight. If there's been something said or if there's been something that you've heard that's caused you to open up your heart in a way that you know is different than you've ever felt before, my friend, there's a good chance that God is here doing something and working on your heart. Respond to him. It's very simple. All you have to say is yes. All you have to do is just say, yes, God, I want you in my life. Invite him to come and be a part of you. Bible says over and over that those that choose God find life. And a part of that life means that he washes away the sins that you and I are so familiar with. He gives us a new start. He forgives us. But more than that, he comes into our life and he becomes our life. You can have that tonight. So I invite you that if that's who you are and where you're at tonight, that when everybody gets up and comes to these tables, come up by an act of faith. Take this bread and dip it in the juice and offer it to God and say, Jesus, I invite you into my life. And as you eat that bread, let it be the first act of faith that you ever do. And then pray, talk to God, and allow him to have you. I'm going to invite you to go ahead and come. And we're going to, 
we're going to close out our time together with another song. But why don't you go ahead and come to these tables? You've been listening to gravitychurch.com. 